inspired by the Canadian Federation of the Blind. Outlook, a show about accessibility, advocacy, and equality. I'm Brian. And I'm Carrie. Outlook. Radio Western. Welcome to another episode of Outlook here today on Radio Western. Hi, Carrie. How are you? Good. Final siblings series episode. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. We've had siblings from all the way out in BC and then to Texas and then back to Ontario for last week's siblings. And today's siblings are also from Ontario. So this has been really, really neat. Great idea, Carrie, to put to do this in April. Yeah, National Siblings Day was on the 10th, so just thought it'd be fun. Yeah, it's been great, and uh, hope to continue this next year as well, next April, because it's been a lot of fun. Yes, start gathering the sibling pairs now. Yes. So, before we formally introduce our guests for today's show, I thought I would dig back into my tape collection I've mentioned on the show before that I have a lot of tapes from growing up as a kid, and... Here is something from way back in So that was a clip from Brian's archives, all his old cassette tapes from the 90s. And that was uh, at a camp uh, called Camp Joseph. That's where we originally met our guests today, or where I met one of them. Yeah, we kind of met her. This was back in 1995, so I was only eight years old then. But um, I guess that means we should introduce our guests. And you heard the introduction kind of there, too, a little bit from a, what, 11-year-old Carrie, I guess, at the time. Uh, Introducing uh, somebody named Tammy, along with Eric and Margaret. Welcome Uh, to the show. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you so much. Did I call her Margaret on the thing? I couldn't hear that clear enough. Yeah, Yeah. you did. Yeah, you did. I wasn't. I hadn't actually done the whole identity change thing yet. I didn't do that until I was twenty-five. So. (laughs) Right, I figured. Yeah, because I, yeah, I didn't know either of you guys then. Back in in nineteen ninety-five. But uh, so it's kind of funny that I still have that in my that's amazing good for you yeah so we thought we would start with that uh so eric's been on our show before on the fifth ever episode of october of 2018 i think i remember that yeah yeah a long time ago (laughs) crazy uh, (laughs) wow i will point out that the radio station had a fire that day really (laughs) i didn't know that it it was like a it was a false alarm i think because we almost left the studio and then and then the we didn't have to yeah the program director came and said oh no it's fine it's fine so (laughs) but that was pretty intense yeah we were just two minutes in and eric yeah first time on the show and everything and we will get into your family because you have a bit of a big family not I don't know, for some reason, going from four children in a family to five seems always to me like a giant leap. <laughs> I don't know why, but... Yeah, we're used um, to four of us, so... <laughs> five is even more. Uh, 
And uh, <laughs> I, I want to just quickly talk briefly a little bit more, though, Carrie, about uh, Lake Joseph, the camp. Um, that I don't know if you guys have either of you guys have any memories of that that uh, performance back in 1995. Yeah, I I do actually. I remember doing the um, doing the talent show. That was something that we always did at camp every year. Camp was kind of like a, a young kid's version of convention, to be honest, <laughs> in some ways, in some ways. It was like you always felt amazing after you had been there. And it was always a wonderful time, um, just like convention is today for us. And um, yeah, it was that was that year was, I believe, yes. The first year, the first summer that that we went to camp after I became a born again Christian. I became a born again Christian in June. And we oh. went to camp in um, August. It was August, so I was a Christian for two months, and um, I was really. I remember feeling really nervous about that because I didn't know how to you know, be, cause usually at camp, we kind of let our hair down and let loose or whatever. So I was really kind of trying to figure out, okay, now how does this new, new, new me actually configure with the old life of going of camp? So it was really interesting. So we did that talent show and there was a couple, there was wind beneath my wings was the song that we did. And, um, Eric had a band with three other friends uh, that he had had when we were in boarding school and like they were actually really good for children that age <laughs> um they actually put some really good stuff together it was really actually really neat so i i loved their music they had about three songs that they managed to do um and i had them on a tape and i would listen to them all the time and i just loved them and um i asked eric if it would be okay if i used the wind beneath my wings um, song that they had done as my accompaniment. Cause I had already done that for our grade eight graduation. So I knew it oh. and I was like, Oh yeah, I want to do that. Um, and then he actually did uh, sing with me. As I recall, uh, we basically sang it together with um, his band as the accompaniment. Um, and I think that was one of the last musical performances I believe it would have been the last musical performance that we did together as, uh, that we actually did together. Oh, no, for sure not. <laughs> no, 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 so. no, no, for sure no. not. Because that was... Well, it, it, there's no there's no point arguing about it, but I'm pretty sure... <laughs> oh, maybe not. Maybe, oh, come maybe on. Not. This, is, this is a stilling show. Sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that um, oh, no, we did. in we high school, we did... Yeah, we did it. <laughs> Yeah, um, we did. And we were we were on <laughs> Oh, you're um, right. You're right. For here. for cousin Heather. Yeah. Wow. That's right. You, the telephone. Yes, I do. Ever? Okay, so it wasn't the last. It wasn't Not even the close. last, but it wasn't. <laughs> Not in that close. recording you can hear you can hear Eric's low voice on the wind beneath my yeah. wings part and then you can hear Maggie there, uh Norman as Margaret That's at the true. time. <laughs> It's because we were we were younger, but you guys you two are a few years older, so you were teenagers both at that time, right? Yes, that, that I year. was 15 and he was 13. Right. Uh, what about you, Eric? What about memories of camp did you have of that, of that camp specifically? Um, they all kind of run in together, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, so I can't remember which antics happened which years. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> it doesn't need to be. I know, uh, I know one year my unit busted things up pretty good. Oh, I remember that. 
That was the year after, I think. Other things. Um, (laughs) uh, One year, my parents went to Bulk Barn and sent us up with grocery bags worth of candy. Yes. And we were like, we were top dogs that year because we had enough candy to feed the whole camp. (laughs) <laughs> it was ridiculous. <laughs> sleep, the girl, the girl at my cabin, she she came down the, that day on the bus with like a fifty pack of Timbits, and oh, it's Cheryl, like, yeah, there was no okay. way we there was no way we were going to eat all those. You shouldn't have got such a big pack. I mean, we could have, we could have like sold them or something. Okay. I don't know, but I guess the parents didn't want us paying the commissary prices for sure. for the food because we spent so much money the first year that we went. to to camp we spent so much money on the commissary it was crazy and then there was a, a canoe trip one year where we went out into a like a rock in the middle of the lake and camped <laughs> yeah. oh i don't remember that <laughs> such strange experiences you, it was like a camp for for all blind uh people growing up or uh, adults too i guess but, Doesn't uh, that sound fun? I was only ever <laughs> yeah. a kid when I was there. So. Camp on a rock. <laughs> uh, I will say I did go back and volunteer as uh, as uh, a, like a high school graduate, and uh, wow. it um, I I did the adult week, and it was a real eye opener. Um, <laughs> and you know, it it, it kind of. Uh, shattered some of my illusions about camp <laughs> yeah i i don't get into it much but it wasn't it wasn't such a fun time for me i didn't i was i hated it every minute i was there i really? felt like i felt well i wasn't i was really sick those years not every yeah. time not every time you were there but a well, lot no, of, a maybe, lot not, of the, maybe not the first time but the very first time that we went yeah carrie and i in, in 94 but as you can tell a lot of uh lo- blind children especially here in ontario went to this camp yeah. at one po- point or another oh, yeah. growing up I think it cemented a lot of friendships um, between blind people today. A lot of the people who were a lot of the blind people, because we're all so isolated um, over uh, Ontario and in, and in Canada is really isolated, but even Ontario, there's so many, um, there's clumps of blind people in different places, <laughs> like in Toronto, Brantford, London, clumps. you know what I mean? Yeah. This there's, way there's they all sort groups, of convened together but, at one place. And yeah, but at the same time, it was like there's vast amounts of space between settlements of blind people. <laughs> and, you know what I mean? I don't yeah. think it sounds silly, but no, I, um, it. You know what I mean? Like there's like there's basically the Chatham contingent of blind people, which I can name on my fingers, <laughs> and then there's you know, but but it's like, but we wouldn't have even known each other. I wouldn't have known Carrie and Brian well, if it wasn't for Lake Joe or Mira or these different places. Right. The interesting thing about Lake Joe at that point in 95 is I don't remember you guys at all, aside from hearing your names on that tape, um, until we would connect again three years later when Carrie met Eric at Mira, the guide dog school, which we'll right. talk about a bit later. But Carrie, you said back in 95, you did know, um, not Eric, but you said you knew Maggie a little bit that year. We were in uh, the same cabin. The same, we were in the same unit. Yeah, I just, actually, I just met her in our... I think you guys, you... And there was like three or four other girls. I know that I was 15, but you girls were like 11. Yeah. And then, and, and it was like, I felt really, I was already feeling awkward. And then I'm like, oh no, okay, what, what do I do now? (laughs) But we did, um, we did sing Awesome God. Do you remember singing Awesome God? Uh, Carrie with um oh yeah that was one of my other choices for clips we could use cassette clips yeah, but that, that, that one oh, was that a, was was it really 
was it didn't it turn out very well i couldn't find it in time so i'm not sure oh no because it was really it was really well done like i think we did a really good job on it actually because there was like four or five of us in the group singing it and it was one Mm -hmm. of my favorite camp memories singing awesome god with uh, carrie and the other girls yeah it was awesome and the singing lunch do you remember the singing lunch uh no where we had to do (laughs) you might be on your own okay um well we had to do um a a okay so what there was this one day when um the counselor at our table basically said okay we at breakfast we had decided okay let's do at lunch we'll do a lunch where every everyone is singing oh my god and we had sounds like a great talk. combination singing and, and eating. You know? yeah, it's like, yeah. yeah it's like everything you wanted to say please pass the toast you know but it's like everything i didn't i didn't to- i didn't swallow my food before i started singing oops <laughs> oh, okay. spit on someone. <laughs> which oh, i guess dear. these camps are known for their food fights and things which oh, I, did, I would ne- i would never want to be in one i was too much I of a finicky think- child yeah i don't like, know oh, i got either. sticky stuff in my hair i'd be afraid of like hitting a teacher by mistake or something <laughs> Uh, I don't think we ever had food fights at Lake Joe, but uh, no, not that I recall from when I was there. But um, yeah, so so many memories from those camp days. Uh, but let's continue kind of in the past for a little bit more. Um, Eric, could you tell our audience a little bit about your childhoods growing up together and where you grew up? We grew up in a um, in a sort of uh, medium medium sized uh, town. Uh, maybe 40,000 people, um, Chatham, yeah, Ontario. That. And uh, we went, it was interesting because we went back and forth between public and, and private schools. Um, and, you know, that was, uh, that. I don't know, I don't even know how to describe that. <laughs> um, so sometimes we were home and sometimes we were away. Um, and you know we are the two eldest and we're both blind and our younger brothers and sisters are all sighted uh, so there was there were some uh, interesting dynamics but uh, it was a close family and people looked out for each other so um, well how many years between you and is it Jonathan your brother next well uh, four years or is it Elizabeth no, it's four years between uh, me and my brother, and then two years between my brother uh, and my little sister Elizabeth, and then four years between. Right. So us. your siblings were all a lot, quite a bit younger than you too. It's sort of. well, it's really um, I. My sister Emily, uh, the youngest in our family, was born when I was eleven, and no, twelve. Sorry. See, I always wanted a sibling and, born when I was that old yeah. to enjoy it. It's interesting because you, know, you mentioned that we were just seven years apart, the four of us in, in our family. So that's definitely a, so, quite a big gap there. I want a baby Actually, brother. Actually, we were 12 and 10, uh, to be honest. It was 1992. Oh, no, no, it would be. And, it, she was 92, so I would have been 11. Yeah. You would have turned 11 after she was born. Something so like she was born in June and without you would have splitting hairs, it, it's safe to say. <laughs> it's a lot of math. Uh, right. Uh, but what's interesting about that is, is that we, Margaret and I were old enough to babysit. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we remember changing Emily's diapers. And when 
my niece was born. Emily was the first one of us to uh, have kids of her own. And I just had just moved in with them or was just about to move in with uh, my sister and brother-in-law so that I could go back to school. And so, you know, at uh, age 36, uh, there I was changing my niece's diapers, the, the daughter of my sister. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a strange, strange <laughs> wow. feeling generations. Uh, to, to start seeing generations after, you know, to, to like to be involved with like literally two generations. Right. Well, yeah, my other question was going to be how long, <laughs> do math again, how many years since the two of you lived in the same house? Oh, gosh. Oh, 20. <laughs> uh, I didn't know who left first or let's who. Let's see, I was 21. Mark. I'm 41, so that would have been, I left first to go to Redeemer College, but then we did move back. Like I did right. come back Sometimes home, it's back and forth, but yeah. when I was back home after the, uh, you know, after events happened, um, I was back home and he was, but he was away. Um, so we have, but we have periodically, mm-hmm. uh, our paths have crossed at my, at our grandmother's house. Uh, uh, so we have periodically mm-hmm. shared the home with each other. I think the last time that we actually shared a home for longer than a week was in 2006. Um, I had just, I had been trying to save a house uh, for a lady and that project didn't work out very well. And I had lost, uh, I had lost the house. So I had to come back to grandma's and live here. Um, And Eric was already living here at the time um, because that was his life path was taking that journey. So we, for about two or three months, um, we did live together here. And we shared the same office, which was really, which was really fun. The last time I lived with Carrie was, was 2008. So it's been, it's almost the same amount of time, I guess, for you, you guys. Almost, yeah. 13 years almost. ago for us is the last time we were living in the same house. But uh, yeah, so going back a little bit more to the to childhood uh, about growing up, um, Maggie, is there any memories specifically from that time that Eric missed that you, you didn't touch on uh, that you can think of? Or just, you know, you were the, you were the oldest and then Eric and it was a, like we say, a pretty big family in a in a house together there. So, um, did you guys were you guys very close growing up? The two of you, the two oldest, and did you do any like lots of fun things together? Did you? Oh yes. Um, well, it started out. Uh, it didn't start out that like we we were you know. Wow, it was really interesting because. I actually, when I was growing up, I thought like when I was really little, like, like four or five years old, I thought that Margaret and Eric was a single word. Uh, right? right. Seriously. I, I, that's funny. I honestly did think that I actually wondered if Margaret and Eric was a single word because we were, you know, um, we like were Ernie, together a lot. Like Ernie and Bert. Yeah, kind of, kind of. Yeah. And then, um, the thing is, yeah, I mean, we had, I started out where I didn't want him around, apparently. Um, he was, I was two when he was born. And apparently, I don't know because I don't remember, but I, I apparently I flipped him out of the lounge chair and onto the floor or God, something no. <laughs> and stepped on him or something like that. Oh, no. Um, yeah, I didn't, I don't. Yeah, I was two. So you don't um, remember the scream? 
No, I, I don't. But I do remember going into his crib and like stealing his bottle away from him <laughs> and stuff like that. But then I also remember, you know, oh. holding the uh, diaper cloth sides together so mom could pin it. So, I mean, I, you know, it is what it is. We were playmates. I mean, we had we had games that we, I, I mean, the thing is blind kids, we watched TV, but it really wasn't terribly great. You know what I mean? For us watching TV. Um, my, my mother tried to describe everything that was going on, on the TV and whatever. And it was fine, but it wasn't like the main pastime. I think the main pastime, I hope you're not embarrassed by this. If you don't want me to talk about it, I won't. Um, but I think the main pastime was we put together these little scenarios um, as we started reading stories and, and stuff like that and being able to use our imaginations more. Um, I think it started when, oh, Lori, I think it started probably when we were like five and three and we just kept kept making the games up, up, up until probably we were like nine and seven. So it was a long time. Like it was like in kid years, that's like a hundred years, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. like between three and nine, it was like six years, but that's how we, that's how we played. And the games just got more and more involved all the time. It was just really, um, and it was just, uh, and it would be, I don't know if you guys played like this or not, but, um, it's, we'd say, okay, you know, something would happen. It's like, well, we'll begin the story in this. And we'd say, well, um, these two kids are in the kitchen and they're sneaking chocolate chips or whatever. Mm. You know what I mean? As an example. And then how would they do that? And then, and then, and then we'd act it out. It's like role-playing you know I mean? games. Then, looks like. Yeah. Kind of thing. Like people, adults play this stuff now. Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. You know, and then, and then somebody would say, well, somebody would come up with an idea and we'd say, well, let's say that that's, that seemed to be uh, a play of like a lot of uh, any, any blind kids that I ever played with as a child. It was, well, let's say that. Let's say that. So say, so you'd be saying, okay, we're starting the scene in the kitchen and the kids are sneaking the chocolate chips. And, oh, do you want these chocolate chips? Oh, yeah, let's get up on the counter. Blah, blah, blah. Right, so we'd act right. it out. And then somebody would say, well, let's say that the mom comes in now and we're going to try and hide. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. And a lot of the game time was spent going, well, no, I don't think that the mom should come in. I think, I think that. <laughs> right. Um, Figuring it out, you trying know? to decide. So, so trying to figure out how to this. play out the scene. And then, or the, and then those storybooks that choose your own adventure type books. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we never heard about those until we were teenagers. But yeah, it, it, you know. And well, you, I mean, I could tell you guys are big readers. I mean, I, was it always that way? Because your imaginations. Yeah, always. It tells. Yeah, always. Yeah, so maybe, uh, Eric, you talk maybe just a little bit about um, coming up on a break in a few minutes, but just talk a little bit about school growing up. And you'd mentioned already, and Maggie's touching on it now, about how you kind of transitioned back and forth a little bit and just a little bit of your experience in general with the being in public school and then also being in the um, W. Ross School in Brantford. Yeah, so I was pretty heavily bullied. Uh when I was a kid in public school and, uh, you know, it got kind of, uh, severe oh. people would, were, you know, kicking me and punching me and like stealing my stuff. And, you know, oh. it was just really hard to get anywhere. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, Margaret had been to W Ross McDonald school 
and didn't like it. Um, and, but, but I was in kind of bad straits. Um, so we, we went back, um, my parents moved up from Chatham to Brantford so that we could go as uh, regular school students and come home at night instead of, instead of uh, living at the school for the week and coming home only on weekends. Mm. And uh, that worked out for a little while until we had to move uh, the family back to Chatham. So for three years, we were going for three, two years, we were, going to school through the day and coming home. And for three years, we were going to school through the week and coming home on the weekends. And uh, the, the whole going away for the week um, that really bothered us. It, uh, we're a close knit family. So for us to be away um, for that amount of time was just hard on my family. It was hard on everybody. Uh, but also, you know, um, when you're there as, uh, you know, when you're living there at a school, uh, any sort of, any sort of institution, I mean, uh, we're not like the first people by any stretch, um, to have, you know, to find out that, um, people in institutional settings are, uh, kind of vulnerable and stuff. Um, you know, we so you you live there you start really discovering all kinds of issues that uh that are many of them are unique to being in an institutional setting um and you know you just the uh living away from home uh we decided wasn't for us i'm very surprised it took us 3 years to decide it wasn't for us and and so we came back home and uh you know when we came back home and went back to public school very same public school same vision resource teacher same everything except that all of our friends were now a year ahead of us because yeah. we lost time by bouncing back and forth between school systems and so that made it even harder <laughs> to transition because we thought they would be really, really happy to see us, and no one knew who we were. So, uh, <laughs> so you didn't get some big welcome back party or anything? Not at all. Yeah, that sounds like so much bouncing around for kids and having to go yeah. here and then here and then try this and try that. And it's just hard to imagine. It's a lot of upheaval. I can't imagine being uh, somebody who, like, a, being raised as, uh, you know, somebody whose parents have a job like an army job or uh, or a, a, a transportation job or something that, that requires them to move all over, um, sometimes even all over the world, sometimes yeah. all over the country, sometimes all over yeah. the world. And every year to three years, you, uh, and you never put down roots. Um, yeah. you, have, you, have to be, you have to be some really close family um, to make that work, I think. And we only we only bounced around twice, um, but still, it's it's a lot. So for anyone who is just tuning in, you're listening to Outlook here today on Radio Western. We are speaking with Eric and Maggie, two siblings from Ontario, on the final episode of our siblings themed month. Going to take a quick break for some promos, and we'll be right back. Hey, this is uh, Eric Burgraff here at. 
uh, Mira Guide Dog School. And with me is my little doggy, hey Ben. Hey? Wanna lick the tape recorder, hey Ben? Hey? Wanna lick the tape recorder? <laughs> Alrighty. And we're just having a good time with with Carrie and Brian. Carrie came up here for a guide dog. Hey. Hey Ben. She's climbing on me. She likes me. Aha. And welcome back for Outlook part two here of our Outlook with Eric and Maggie Burgraff. That clip at the beginning there back from the break was uh, Eric, who I met after we met at camp in 95 when we met again at uh, school for the guide dogs in Quebec. So that was 98. So we just included a little clip in him and his dog, which makes it kind of sad for yeah, our guide dogs. A bit. Yeah, well, it's interesting because, sure. again, we didn't really yeah. know um, either of you in 90. Well, Carrie, you, you knew Maggie or Margaret. Uh, back then kind mm. of being in the same cabin and stuff but other than that we didn't really know you guys and I didn't know either of you I didn't know Eric either and uh so in 98 when I went with Carrie to get her to guide dog and then it, I clued in at one point I was like I remember the name Eric I have a tape of him and, and so it's sort of all clued in there and it's just kind of interesting and that yeah, was only we didn't see we didn't see Maggie that summer in Quebec you no. you never no. came no, I didn't. Or anything. So okay. we never, I never got to see you again at, after, after that point until I don't even know when. I think 2002, you came to uh, the... Oh, yeah, right. I came to visit Eric. So. That's right. Right, and, and I, I never really... to be there. I never really even got to know Maggie until she came to visit once when I lived with Eric in Toronto in like 2011. I think, I think so. the next time yeah. I saw you. And then even I then I barely so. remember. So I only really got to know you uh, more so in 2018 when we started getting involved with the NFB and going to these conventions. So yeah, we will right get into that a bit later, but let's uh, talk a little bit more about the Mira experience. And, uh, um, well, I was just going to say that I was going to say that Eric, um, sounds like you guys were like you said in charge of like looking after your little siblings, like anyone else, you weren't treated differently because you guys were blind. Oh heck no. But, and I said, you're always surrounded by kids, Eric. So at some point you wanted to get out, <laughs> you went for <laughs> go back for the summer. I mean that, what, how did that decision come about? Kind of, um, it was funny. You could uh, still get orientation and mobility instruction back then. Really? Um, it was a uh, it was a great thing. You guys probably remember. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I don't know how many kids today get orientation and mobility <laughs> instruction. I hope I hope they do, but I'm afraid they do not. Mm. And uh, so we we got different orientation and mobility instructors every year. It was out for bid and um you know i presumably whoever was the cheapest uh got the bid <laughs> and uh you know one of my uh modern day heroes judy thomas is uh we knew for a couple of years and she worked as our orientation and mobility instructor and wow. uh i had floated the idea of a guide dog to our previous instructor who is also a wonderful person um but you know he wasn't he wasn't really on board with it um and um you know that particular mentor that we had uh judy thomas she was uh, uh totally on board with it so i um I tracked all the guide dog schools, got all the information, found out where I could go. Mira Foundation was the only program at that time that had a summer program for people under the age of 18. And um, 
we we went there um and i'm i'm glad you know that i did because i saw other people with their guide dogs later that they got their guide dogs from other programs and uh <laughs> and some of them were just not as serious about it as <laughs> We were just having this discussion. We, you know, we got um, a little. We got a little bit territorial about this is the best in Canada. I don't know. Or the best. The, <laughs> I don't know if I would say the best in Canada, but yeah. it was. It was a. It, it was a program that understood they were dealing with children. Yeah, back then it was an only they, choice. Well, and, but they made it. Um, they made it very disciplined. It was highly focused on orientation and mobility. It was very disciplined the the standard the the bar was very high and not everybody got their guide dog in that class mm-hmm. um you know you couldn't just walk in and get a guide dog and now um i have this article from uh 2018 about a man from toronto uh who couldn't get his who couldn't cross at this intersection by his house because it was too busy and the audible pedestrian signal buttons were on the left side where his guide dog was. And it was a terrible thing. And, uh, and, and to be honest, you know, I, I didn't know how to reach out to this person or whatever, but I, I kind of, I read this article and I wondered, could you walk up, you know, make the dog find the button, which our dogs did, um, have the dog sit and then drop the harness and reach over and press the button, mm-hmm. right? Something so simple. And I wondered if it had even been tried, you know, um, because back in the day, we wouldn't, I just don't imagine us letting something like a button on the left-hand side stop us from doing what we wanted to do. So um, that, was, that was part of the, the, the mentoring that we got from Mira. and. And it was, it was good for us. You know, I felt, um, I was turning 16 and I felt like, um, I was getting my guide dog for the first time at the same time as, as my friends were getting their driver's licenses and the bar was high. Mm -hmm. Um, the bar was high. The sense of accomplishment was high. Um, the, the, the training was a lot. Um, and I just, I want to see people today get that standard of education. Now I've traveled independently in three countries and Carrie, um, you probably done at least that many. Yeah. She has. Yeah. Three, uh, three, and four, three or four. Yeah. Something like that. Um, and, and the, the feeling that you can go anywhere and do anything, especially at that age is so important for for right. blind people um and how do we how do we bottle that well we we adopt skills um and and i'm afraid yeah. that people today don't don't really have even uh what we had and then um yeah. i it's funny i met somebody uh who is you know a previous generation advocate uh, ad, uh activist um and i was walking around with him and he can he can do uh echolocation better than anyone I've ever, ever, ever seen. Um, because it was taught back then when it, it wasn't necessarily stressed for us. No, not exactly. Yeah, it's interesting how things change and different over, over time. And 
the fact that, you know, if you guys had never got a guide dog together, sure, we sort of knew of each other through Lake Joe, but chances are we might wouldn't even be here today if, if you guys hadn't connected back in 1998. So pretty amazing to think about. And Maggie, from back in those times, what were your thoughts or reactions to Eric getting a dog at the time or in coming home with one? And did you ever consider getting one yourself? Yeah, um, I was happy for him. I, I was extremely happy for him because that was a really, I loved that idea because when I was 16 and my cousins were getting their driver's license and my friends were getting their driver's license and I really had this sense of melancholy about it, but I really didn't know what to do about it. And the thing is that you guys have to understand is I had a pathological fear of dogs. Mm. Okay. Okay. This is yeah. the thing. I, I, I'm sorry guys, but I did. I had a, I had a pathological fear of dogs. So it really, at that point, I have considered it since then, but at that point, mm. I had no desire for a dog whatsoever. So you weren't jealous at the time? or Oh, heck like no. Um, I was scared stiff of dogs. Uh, so um, there was two, three, three feelings, basically, that, that sort of prevailed in my heart at the time in regards to this. Feeling number one was, I'm really happy for you. I'm really proud of you you're you're actually being proactive about this whole friends getting driver's license thing and actually doing what you can do which is amazing okay um that was my first feeling but my second my second feeling was oh crap you're going to be gone for like a month in the summer and now here's the thing when you're transitioning and you're doing all this stuff and you're and like basically we had blind friends but sometimes eric was the only other blind person for miles mm. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, you know, but we did have a few blind friends, but really, I mean, by that time we were so close, we were like, um, you know, basically my brother was my best friend. Um, no lie. My brother was my best friend and, and we were so close that we shared friends too. Yeah. So because he was my best friend and that and I was I was very dependent on him for socializing for everything and so the idea I remember this the idea that he was going to be gone for an entire month mm. yeah, I yeah. actually that was really um <laughs> I'm sorry but I, I shouldn't have been but I was really traumatized by that idea that he was going to be gone for an entire month um, uh, away for, and we weren't going to have him for the summer. That yeah. really, really reminds me a little away. bit of, of me and Carrie. It's a little different because we're, we're three years apart and you guys are, are two years apart. Right. So it's, it's pretty close we're, we're, and we're yeah. close as well. And I just, I know that feeling with Carrie too, especially when we were really young, we were just so close. And the memory yeah. that I have is that Lake Joe, the camp we were talking about earlier, the, the first year we were young enough, they let us stay in the same room, but the next year they, they separated us. And I remember it just, it killed me at the time. It was like, yeah, oh, yeah. Be in the same room as my the, sister. The, in the injustice. <laughs> yeah. It, oh yeah. I remember being in boarding school. And, um, when we, when we came back for the second run of, of boarding, when, and Eric was with me and he couldn't even come and visit me. Yeah, I know. They're really and us actually sometimes. stay like, yeah, he, he could, he could come and visit me, but we had to, I forget what it, we couldn't shut the door of my room <sighs> yeah. or we had, or we couldn't be, we couldn't <sighs> be, he couldn't be in my room. That's what it was. And it's like, well, what the heck? Yeah. We're always uh, in each other's rooms at home. We're brother and sister. Get over exactly. it. You know? <laughs> so it was like, it was a really big, it was a huge deal for us like to, to be separated because think about it. We didn't have, 
like the idea of him being gone for a month, like we didn't have internet. Yeah, like, exactly. We didn't have internet. We had, we had our like, thing. we had our like weekly phone call or twice weekly. Yeah, exactly. Like we didn't have internet. We didn't have emails, nothing. It really was a long time for, to be away. Yeah. Someone, someone's still pretty young. Teenagers. Yeah. And then, and then, um, and then when he came back, he had this dog and, oh my gosh. And I tried so hard, but it was just, it was really hard to be in the same house. It's really hard to be in the same house with something that you are desperately afraid of. Cause you're, you've always um, been a cat person more. It's like with your always. siblings pair here, yeah. Eric's the, the dog person anymore yeah. and you're the cat person. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So it's been, it was like that, but I, I tried, I mean, eventually, eventually years later, I, I did actually get over my fear of them. And I was actually not, I was, I, I got used to a Ben, um, mm. a lot quicker than I got used to other, other dogs. Like, you know, I, okay. I did really try really hard, but it was at first it was like, what is this? You know, she was well-behaved and had, oh, you know, she was, and, and she was really, actually, she was a really good dog to help me get over my fear of dogs. Right. You know awesome. what I mean? So yeah. A guy dog seems was, like it would be a good yeah, Dog for that, just because yeah, they are trained, sure. and not that they can't go crazy still when their harness is off, but they're yeah. still a little bit more well behaved than a lot of Absolutely. other dogs. Absolutely. So let's, I guess, let's jump ahead again after Mira, and they're into the new century we're in now. Uh, you guys, like we said, Brian and Eric lived together for several years in Toronto, uh, and then he went away to the states for a few years. Mm -hmm. um, which I'm sure if we've told that story before, Eric, but then when you came back to Canada again, that's when we. Uh, came together, all four of us, I guess, uh, starting the, getting involved with the Canadian Federation of the Blind. And um, we actually got our convention coming up on April 30th to May 2nd. You can go to cfb.ca for some details on that. But um, I guess, Eric, what, what was it like when you came back to Canada, I guess? Now, then you got us into the CFB. And here we are now. What, what do you think yeah. about the last few years? <laughs> uh, it was hard coming back to Canada. Yeah. It was... Um, Every time I, every time I went somewhere, I was leaving someone. And so I would go back and forth from Canada to the States and the States to Canada. And every time I was leaving, I, I was, I was never, it, it seemed like I was never going somewhere. I was always leaving something. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so um, I, I ran out of money at some point. And couldn't really afford to keep going back and forth anymore. Mm -hmm. And I tried to apply for a job and experienced what I believed at the time to be employment discrimination. Um, I started learning about the uh, Human Rights Tribunal and how discrimination cases work. And, uh, and, and, you know, when I couldn't go back and forth anymore, um, you know, the relationship I had at the time that was, was over obviously because my girlfriend at the time was in the States. And, um, so I was stuck with no money and no plan and a discrimination case and then another discrimination case. And then, um, and it was just an angry time. Um, hmm. it was, and then, um, I, I had been interested in the Canadian Federation of the Blind for several years because uh, I actually had a chance to get certified, uh, go for the training and get certified as an orientation and mobility instructor, which is something I very, very much wanted to do and couldn't raise the money for. 
and uh, I, I, at at some point, um, I, I just, I, I reached a point where I went to a community group that was run by CNIB, mm-hmm. and the group was full of people that I went to school with, like people in their like, you know, 20, uh, 30, say a 30 to 50 age group, but mostly like 35 to 45 people. Yeah. People I knew who were not working, not apparently doing anything on a Wednesday afternoon and thought that going to CNIB or not even CNIB, but a, a CNIB program and learning how to use a free iPhone app was um, just a, a pretty good time out. And it is for some people, right? Like that's what they have. Like it's I not- don't want, I don't, I, I don't want to knock it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want people to feel bad uh, for, you know, for, for being in that position where, a lot of the time we're in that position. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a guy who's fighting human rights cases mm-hmm. and filing job applications that go nowhere and traveling back and forth between Canada and the United States and, and trying everything I can think of to, to get myself ahead, it was really um, sad to see former friends, uh, people I had known, yeah, that were just not engaged in in things. Yeah, well, when you see that many people together on a Wednesday afternoon, it's like what no, none of these people work or have a job or anything, and it's it could be kind of depressing. Like it, you say, if you've been trying to find one and then you see nobody else that you see here has one either, then it's like, what's the where's it, the hope kind of thing? In the in the angry space that I was in, it was the wrong thing for me to see. Um, in, in the sense that it made me very, very, it made me very, very much more angry, but it made you, Uh, (laughs) it made you go out and and find the CFB and get us involved. And yeah, it, 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 it really, that's my determination to do, uh, what needed to be done. And when I was able to get a hold of Mary Ellen Gabius, who's the president of the CFB now, and we were able to start something. That was really the beginning of a turnaround for me. I I went back to school. Um, I you have you a know, baby now. Yeah, I met I met the, the woman who became my wife. We we got married. We have a beautiful baby girl now. Um, you know, I have a job. I have I, I'm I'm finishing up my education, and it's like it was a big, big, big turning point for me. And we've had the CFB sort of behind a lot of that. So, and then we got Maggie involved and all of us got involved. Um, yeah. I mean, I got involved because like, here's the thing. I mean, really, I would have been, I don't know if we have time to go into it. Probably don't. Um, but uh, let's just say 10th, 2017 would have killed me. Okay. I would have been dead in 2017. Really? I'm not kidding. If it wasn't for the Canadian Federation of the Blind and basically for my brother, Eric, because, um, I remember they like, I'll get into a little bit. Um, we, I was fighting some other issues. I have some mental health issues and things like that. And I was, um, 
I was transitioning too. I was kind of in a bad space, obviously. I was in a bad space as well, uh, where we were transitioning um, from, you know, one living situation to another. And You and your husband? Yes, me and my husband, Roy. uh, Where we transitioned from... Uh, I transitioned from one one living situation to another. I was really um, everything was just going wrong. Um, my best friend, who basically I got addicted because I helped her, mm-hmm. um, and that's a long story. But you know what I mean. It did. It, that's how it happened. Um, and uh, she disowned me that year, that spring. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like she was such a good friend. She was my maid of honor, and she disowned me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I was really, I was really feeling like, and I was, I mean, I lost it. I had lost everything. I was running a feline therapy center out of our home and we were doing an inner city drop-in ministry uh, in the East End of Chatham, me and my husband. And uh, we lost all of that when, when we got evicted. And so So, you've always kept busy. Sounds like, but yeah, yeah, a lot of, lots of upheavals. And the thing is it was, I was really in a bad place too. It wasn't necessarily blindness related. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was in a bad place too, where I had to completely, uh, change direction in my life. And, um, so basically, uh, I remember doing the dishes in my mother's kitchen, um, because we had just moved in with them and, and I was doing the dishes and I was trying to scrub crud off of a frying pan. Ugh, um, that. that's a kind of a just juxtaposition to, what was going on on my on Eric's um, internet because he had tuned into an NFB convention, mm. uh, so it had to be in July of 2017, and he had tuned into the NFB convention. So on one hand, I'm living with my parents. Me and my husband are living with my parents. My cats live in a camper. I'm scrubbing crud off of a frying pan because that's my job. <sighs> yeah. And on the other hand, though, there's this new bright world. There's these people that are speaking. Um, there's this cop, this blind police officer that spoke. There was a blind, oh, I don't remember. I yeah. think a, a doctor or something that spoke. I, just all these blind yeah. professionals that were That convention speaking. is always very impressive when yeah, you see exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, Eric, what is this? Eric, <laughs> yeah. what is this? Tell me what this is because I need this right now. So it was like we hadn't heard like, of it. Oh, I hadn't. Yeah. yeah, it was like night and day. And when he was tell- he was telling me and I thought, I, I think I, I want this. I want this so bad. I want this so bad. I could just taste it. And I thought this is the only way I'm going to get out of this, this, this situation that I'm living in, in my life. And so really um, that was sort of a chance for Eric and I as siblings to come together after we'd been apart for so long right, right. Um, to come together yeah. and actually work on something awesome. And um, I'm so glad yeah, it's kind of me and Brian too. I was wondering sort of what ha- what you were up to all those years where Eric was coming back and forth from the US and everything. And so you can just tell that you guys are both very busy people, always keeping occupied and, and always working on things. You're both quite creative as as we heard earlier with the music and uh, just so many, so many things we could touch on here. But to end these episodes, we always like to ask uh, one question that we ask to all of our uh, sibling pairs this month. And I'm going to start with Eric. Um, what would you say about your sister Maggie if someone asked you to just sum her up in a in a sum her up <laughs> yeah sum her up in a few sentences or just what would you want someone to know oh, about, oh, about your, your sibling Maggie My sister has always been a self-starter. She you know took a lot of ownership in school and put a lot of pressure on herself to do well 
She uh, started her own music business in the late 90s and early 2000s. Uh, made made CDs, played shows. She took the the Kernels of Hope support group for CFB, which was a a huge gap that they had, and and adopted the idea and set it up and made it great. Um, reached out and made as many contacts as she could um, to get people up and running and get people into that group. Mar- Margaret has a cat therapy center. Uh, that's starting up online and and she's recruited and she's planned it and she's tested things and she's learned new technologies and um that's a huge part of the federation spirit is to be able to say all right this is what i want how am i gonna get it right and then to be willing to make the changes, to learn the new skills, um, to to learn the new philosophies, to be able to adapt. And she has done all of that from day one. uh, New schools, new houses, new brothers and sisters, um, right up to a new cat therapy center, day one, right up until the present day. and that's uh, that's a huge part of what being in the Federation is all about. And we have her to thank for a significant portion of our success in the last three years with CFB. Yeah, it's nice to see. Great. And Maggie, briefly, what would you say about your brother? Oh, I need a minute to swallow. Because, um, wow, that's... Thank you. Um, they say that laughter is the best medicine. And they say in the Bible, it says that a joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. And honestly, I've been in a lot of situations in my life where I honestly felt like I had a broken spirit. Like my, my whole, my whole self was being leached away by my situation and by my feelings. And a lot of times the way that I was able to combat that, every single time was to get together with my brother, Eric, because he was talking about the, um, the angry period that he, Mm -hmm. as he calls it. And honestly, that was one of the happiest times of my adult life. (sighs) I'm not going to lie. I know he was angry and I really feel bad that he was going through something, but I was glad I could be, you know, help him or try to help him or whatever. But at the same time, he was, he was home. He was with me. I could come to grandma's and jam out with him and sing songs and have a laugh. And <sighs> um, he's so good for a laugh. And not, I'm not trying to say that in a bad way. Like, <laughs> oh, what a, he's such a goofus, you know, especially after he said all that great stuff about me. She's a self-starter. She's, he's good for a laugh. No, I'm not trying to say that, but I'm saying that is the most valuable thing you can give a person. It's yeah. to make them laugh. Indeed. I agree. To, Carrie and I laugh all the time. <laughs> yeah. It's to just to share a laugh with them and, and to just make them um just just make them feel happy to be alive for five yeah. minutes. Even if they have to go, you know, even if they have to go back into the situation again oh. um afterwards. But at least they've had that. And I remember that as being one of the happiest times of <laughs> of, of my life as w- having him back home. 
and mm. and being and staying on on Branchley Street with him in Sarnia when we were younger and stuff like that. Um, anyways, no. I'll, the other thing though is that he's always um, he's always been a mentor. He always knew more about technology than I did from the time when we got our first tape decks. From the time that <laughs> yeah. we were learning to use the big giant 1970s stereo in the living room. Wow. Okay. A lot of similarities between you and yeah, me, yeah. And me and my Carrie and I. And- yeah, I could always count on him to teach me about this stuff. But but he like talk about being a self starter. I mean, he's the self start self starter of self starters. Say that yeah. I'm basketball drunk. Anyway, well, you um, both are, I think. You know, and 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 honestly, thank you for saying that about the federation being successful because of colonels. But honestly. The Federation in the CFBO itself, like the Canadian Federation of the Blind was going long before we joined it. Mm-hmm. Um, but but at the same time, CFBO itself and the impact that we've made in this province, it, it has everything to do with Eric and and how he just lit a fire under our tushes and, and got us going. And, and look at me and look at this. You guys have a radio show now over 100 mm-hmm. episodes. I mean, that's that's. That Absolutely, that might Eric, that might know? never have happened either without the the CFB. And uh, one more ch- chance to remind everyone about the convention coming up this Friday on uh, Zoom. You can yeah. find all the info at cfb.ca. Choices and goals, twenty twenty one virtual CFB convention. And thanks so much, guys, for coming on the show. This has been a lot of fun, and this whole sibling series has been great. It's a real okay, pleasure cool. to be here. So thanks for doing it. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you so much. This has been really great. I, I, I was like, okay, Roy, can you, uh, can you see the grandma's needs? I'm going on the radio. <laughs> Find us on Twitter at OutlookCFB and on Facebook, facebook.com slash Outlook on Radio Western.